0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Before we begin this week's episode, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live, and record, and recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. We pay respect to Elders past, present, and emerging. Yes. Meet me at they Hi guys and welcome back to PS meet me at stage door before we get into today's interview over to Libby for our bulletin
1: In latest news, it has been rumoured that Disney's Aladdin the musical is set to hit Disney+. The West End production was filmed prior to its closing in 2019 to be released for audiences around the world. Filmed on stage revealed it was set to premiere at the beginning of this year but was pushed back due to Hamilton's early release. We will all be keeping an eye out to see when this show drops. It has been announced that Andrew Lloyd Webber's newest musical, Cinderella, is set to reschedule to open on Wednesday the 7th of April 2021 at the Gillian Lynn Theatre. Tickets are now on sale, so head to their Instagram at awlcinderella for more information. If you have been missing theatre during COVID-19, we have some good news for you. The first live production in Sydney is happening from the 23rd of July through to the 23rd of August with the play The Crudo Canvas. The play looks at the New York art world through the lens of a forgery scam. Tickets are just $35 for general admission and $25 for concession tickets. The production has tackled the restrictions with a COVID Safety Act in place to ensure the safety of its audiences. Make sure to head to their Facebook at The Cruder Canvas for more information.
0: Back to you, Tori. Today, we are lucky to be joined by Gareth Isaac who we know from our uni days, but you may know him as the original narrator for the Australian premiere of Puffs. His performance won him an award for Best Actor in a Play at the Broadway World Awards in 2019.
1: Gareth has also appeared in Love, Labour's Lost with the Melbourne Shakespeare Company and was a semi-finalist for the 2018 Rob Guest Endowment Awards. He was also a part of Grease as Eugene and Kiss Me Kate with Squabologic
0: Independent Theatre Company. In 2017, he wrote, directed and produced his own independent cabaret, Odd Man Out, for the Sydney Fringe Festival. Most recently, Gareth has gone back to study at the national institute of dramatic arts with an mfa in voice please welcome to the mic gareth
2: oh my god thank you so much for having me
0: (laughs) thank you so much for coming what an introduction and it was you were eugene in the original greece
2: yes that's a pretty important caveat because this was a version that uh jim jeffries had gone back and not jim jeffries he's a comedian whoever the writer was i can't remember off the top of my head
0: i saw it i helped you build the set
2: did that's right Yeah, so so this this. was a version that the original writers went back and added back in all their original cut material. Every F-bomb, every song. Patty Simpkins gets a song. No way! Yeah, so uh, Summer Nights no longer exists. It's replaced by a song called Foster Beach, but it starts exactly the same way as Summer Nights. So the do, 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 do. And... It surprised everyone when Danny did not sing Summer Nights. You could feel um, the audience recoil like, just that little this? bit, but then get into it.
0: Oh my god, there you go. I did not know that. Yeah, I was literally as I was reading that, I was like, wait. It was the original Grease. Oh yes. But I'm getting completely off topic. To uh to let people just get to know you a little bit better, Gareth. We're gonna do some rapid fire questions, which we did not prepare you for. Oh
2: very good. <laughs>
0: I will let you start, Libby. Of course.
1: Okay, so, first one. Favourite musical?
2: Uh, I've got a top three, all with a big asterisk. Pirates of Penzance, Phantom of the Opera, Jekyll and Hyde.
0: Oh, nice, nice. I, I appreciate those. Okay, weirdest costume you've ever worn?
2: Um, Probably Love's Labour's Lost, where I was one of the worthies. I ended up just in my underwear wearing a makeshift Roman helmet made out of a colander and a cheese grater and a feather duster. Oh, and that, that And that was in the middle of a Melbourne park, so... <laughs> the nighttime shows were interesting
1: that's amazing (laughs) go to song like your go to audition song maybe that's meant to say go to karaoke song I think I might have accidentally deleted the karaoke that's okay Okay. go to auditions oh do you want to do karaoke or audition
2: well karaoke song my go to is walk like a man just because why not um go to audition song I don't really have any set one I've got a whole book but right now I'm very much in the world of parade, so I would probably do the first half of all the wasted time.
0: Nice. All right, the last one, and what I feel like is the most important: your Hogwarts house, Hufflepuff. Of course. Do you really
2: have to ask that?
0: I Look, mean. I was like, just you gotta—you you never know.
2: This is fair. You just got to make sure.
0: And you're a Ravenclaw, right, Tori? No. I'm really, really, I'm really. Need... I'm actually a Ravenpuff. Oh, yep. I can see that. Fun I fact. thought I kept going. Is she a? Uh, um, a Ravenclaw or look, a Hufflepuff? This is constantly a battle in my family because my dad buys me Hufflepuff stuff, but everybody else buys me Ravenclaw. And I'm, I'm like, look, I'm a Ravenpuff because I don't really find that I fit specifically into one of the other. Wow,
2: it's like you shouldn't be sorting 11-year-olds and defining who they are at that stage <laughs> of their life.
1: <laughs> I'm just generic Gryffindor, which is very generic, but I did the test, so I'm definitely a Gryffindor.
0: Hey, hey it's not generic, but you've, what you've got to consider, and what we'll get into a little bit later, that's just the side of the story you know.
2: Exactly. <gasps> I feel like everyone Foreshadowing. has like, two Hogwarts houses anyway. You've got your main one and you've got your rising.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm definitely also a Slytherin, I think. Now, we wanted to discuss a bit about Puffs, obviously, but before we do that, can you tell our audience a little bit about the show itself?
2: Um. Well, there was a story once about a certain boy wizard With a big old scar on his forehead, he went to magic school for seven years. And then there was a bunch of people who also just happened to be there at the time. And for seven years, they were like, who the hell is this kid? Why does he keep ruining our chances to get a decent education?
0: (laughs) And thus begins the story of Puffs.
2: Puffs. (laughs) It's the story of Wayne Hopkins, a young orphan wizard who grew up in Sheepsheard Flats, Queensland. And one day just gets a letter saying he has to go to wizard school in England.
0: Oh, this is amazing! Yeah, <laughs> I agree. This is amazing, and I totally I didn't see it twice off Broadway and twice in Sydney. <laughs> she's a little puffs obsessed. <laughs>
2: I mean, she's allowed.
0: She's allowed. Everyone's allowed.
2: Look, I'm I'm not gonna yuck your yums, so you can do you.
0: Yeah, for anyone who didn't know about puffs, that's a little bit of background. For you and it's called Puffs or otherly known as...
2: Seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic and magic. I
0: love it. No copyright here. No, Um, completely not. You can't come for us. What was it like to be part of such an iconic story but told from just a completely different perspective?
2: It was utterly fascinating at times. The play itself focused on a very truncated version of those seven years and I found myself saying, hey... This brings up a lot of good points. Why does no one point out that a certain nerdy witch is just in multiple places at the same time in her third year? <laughs> like, why does nothing make sense? Why is that red-headed Weasley girl just very uninteresting to watch? I agree. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Shots fired. But you it guys. was
2: just wonderful for me as a fan of a certain boy wizard and his works to suddenly be a part of that world and tell these stories of these characters who you know, but you never actually get to understand, if that makes sense.
0: No, and I think that it's, at first I was kind of like a little sceptical when we booked to see it at New World Stages um, in New York, because I was like, yeah, I just, you know, okay, like I was like, I love Harry Potter and I adore it, but I was like, this just seems kind of silly to me, and then I watched it and I was like, it's so silly, but in like the best way possible just it's so exaggerated the characters are amazing and everyone plays like you everyone plays like their main character and then what has like two three four other characters yeah play.
2: there's only four characters who don't play anyone different in the show and that's the narrator our main character Wayne his best friend Oliver and their best friend Megan and that's in a cast of 12 people everyone else has multiple roles they will go behind a set piece and become the next character within two seconds.
1: I love that. I love when um, shows do multiple characters because it, it's, and I think especially in a comedic show, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny when you have someone just completely swapped to something else and you're like, oh, that was iconic.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's, I think, I personally think, other than, because I do genuinely love the character of the narrator because it is just, you comment on so many things being like, they're just what yeah pretty much i I,
2: (laughs) the whole narrator's whole purpose is to bring that sense of calm and context while still speeding the story along so the gag for example in year five when i'm suddenly handed that book prop that nearly breaks my arms from the size of it like cool we relate to the joke and now we move on.
0: Yeah. I found everything was amazing. And clearly with the amount of times that I've seen, seen yeah, it, like but had you, the opportunity you seen, to.
2: You saw the OG New York cast as well. Yep. Right? You saw, saw everyone in their role. I
0: saw the OG. And then when I went back, I saw still majority of the OG, but I think Megan was new. The narrator was new.
2: yeah, I th- Cedric was new. Yeah. There were at least two Cedrics, but they also had, five or six swings waiting in the wings so anyone could just go off and do another gig if they had to or just take a day off yeah. so they were that's very really lucky good. we only had two swings on our show Wow! so we had two people who learned five or six tracks each it was insane
1: that's crazy that's a lot of work yeah, for yeah and then i goals. also
2: was an understudy on the show so right. i understudied the role of oliver rivers
0: yep so.
1: right. <laughs> oh, there you go was that an interesting process getting to also like be a character in it like a permanent character, but then also understudying at the same time. It it was,
2: it was a really fun experience. Like for me, I've got ADHD, so I can focus on a couple of different things at once to varying degrees of success, but the different dynamics of the two characters, the narrator who never interacts with anyone directly. And then Oliver who interacts with everybody. It was a bit of a culture shock. Anytime I had to swing out.
1: Did you ever get to play the role?
2: Uh, Yeah. I got to play Oliver a couple of times. Uh, twice in Melbourne, twice in Sydney.
0: I saw you play the narrator and Oliver. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. The first time I saw the narrator and the second time I saw you was Oliver, which was also the time when somebody pushed Wayne onto the stage. An audience member.
2: Oh, yes. That happened a couple of times, which is great. Uh, there was a long running gag where Wayne Hopkins, the main character, is trying to climb up onto the stage. And it's played by an actor named Ryan Hawke, short little guy. So he's trying his best to get up onto the stage, but in Sydney, we were so close to the audience that people could reach out and help him. So a couple of times, people just oh my God. sort of gave him that little little nudge onto the stage.
0: The night that I saw it, it was clearly so unexpected for the cast. Like The guy literally just was like, oh, okay, and just shoved him on stage. That I saw probably half of them be like, it's fine. Don't. don't, This is a serious moment. Don't. No. Don't laugh. Wouldn't happen now with our social distancing laws.
2: well. Number one, we wouldn't be allowed to do the show anyway. No. Rest in peace, theatre. Oh god. Memories.
1: And also being a part of the Harry Potter world, I guess. In a completely. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's not related at all.
0: Totally, guys. Um, Copyright. Copyright.
1: Did you have any pinch me moments?
2: Um. Yeah, every so often, as the narrator, I got to hold the wand and just do a whole bunch of fighting off of evil soul-sucking security guards. Oh, So course. that was a real moment for young Gareth, who is just sitting there in his wizard robes, waiting in line to get all the last few books. That
1: <laughs> oh, I would be the same. I'd yeah. be like, give me the wand. Expelliarmus! <laughs> oh, like,
2: and outside of the show, of course, working with such a tremendous cast of people made me pinch myself every day.
0: Speaking of... Magic. What was it like to use magic on stage and was there any times where the magic just didn't work?
2: Oh, pretty frequently. Those wands are super fragile. So every so often, uh, they would just not work. So you hit a button on it, they light up and you cast your spells. Yeah. And oh what am I thinking of? This isn't technically magic. But during the Sydney season, when we were in the entertainment quarter in our pop-up theatre, there was a night when it rained very, very hard, and the entire end of the first act was completely drowned out. No one could understand a thing that was being said. So, because you didn't have mics, we were unmiked.
0: Yeah. So and right underneath a flight path.
2: Exactly. So at the very end of uh, Act One, we were all back in our dressing room saying, "What the hell can we do? No one knows the plot. No one knows what's going on." They've All they've seen is Cedric's actor say something that they didn't understand and vanish. So, in Act 2, there is an improv scene where Zach Smith, the world's worst puff, comes out and runs everyone through sports tryouts. So, because it's an improv scene, Dan Cosgrove had complete agency in what he did in that scene. He was yep. given a written note from the writer to say, you can do what you want. So he comes out and says, all right, show of hands, audience. Who didn't hear a goddamn thing at the end of the first act? Cool, we're doing it again.
1: And you did the whole thing again.
2: And he, in a truncated version of an already truncated show, did the end of act one because he also knew Cedric's track because (gasps) Dan covered it.
0: Of course, because that's like that that moment with Cedric is like the one moment in the show, I think, where everyone's just like, like the audience, like the whole time is just like pissing themselves and it's that moment of... Yeah, it's...
2: It's good luck on the third task, Cedric. I'll be fine. And off he goes.
1: That's amazing, and it's not—it's very rare to get so much liberty as an actor too. Oh
2: yes. So, oh, I mean, aside from a few technical hiccups every now and again, like uh, Q Lab messing up some of the sound effects, or just sometimes lights on things not working, we covered most of it really well.
0: And I find found that both times, like seeing it in New York and seeing it in um, Sydney you all just worked like both casts that I've seen, you all just worked so well together that it, you guys could just cover each other when things like that happened. Like I remember on, when I saw it on in New York, there was a moment where I very clearly had already seen it. And I was like, Oh, someone's just dropped quite a large chunk of their line. And I think Oliver picked it up and like pretty much said the line for them. And it was just a joke and everyone kind of just laughed and that. La- and I was like, it's, everyone's just so on top of it and the changes and the doors and just everything that happens you've got to be so on top of it the
2: utter madness of the show really helps build cast camaraderie you have to trust one another when there's only uh, 12 or 11 of you on stage and everyone has to be in a certain place everyone is backstage handing off props and helping people get changed so When things do go wrong, we've got each other's backs. That was one of our mantras before we went up. We would say, hey, man, got your back.
1: That's really nice. It's a good way. I I think that's always really lovely in theatre when we all support each other rather than it be, um, especially in shows. I think you become a
0: family in shows.
2: Exactly. And we do. Like, all of us keep in touch. Like, all the Melbourne Puffs and the Sydney Puffs just send messages to one another. It's really wonderful.
0: For, because obviously I know some of the stuff we're talking about. Anyone who hasn't seen Puffs or has never seen the trailers for it we will pop some stuff
2: on our social media as well because and i believe the american version is available on amazon
0: it is it's available on amazon and itunes and on broadway hd heck yeah moving along as much as i would love to talk about puffs for hours on end
2: i really i couldn't tell (laughs) i'm I'm kidding i love you dear
0: i am now we are now going to play our new favorite game Guess that musical.
2: (laughs) Theme song needs a bit of work.
0: I know it does. It needs a bit of work. (laughs) It's all right. For anyone that's um, listened to our episode with Jake Tyler, it was the first time that we attempted this game. Pretty much what it is is I'm going to give you a very, very, very streamlined version of the synopsis of a show. You have to guess what it is, but I will not give you names, any key points...
2: Okay, so this is like describing Wizard of Oz as a girl kills a woman and then recruits three people to kill again? Yes, okay.
0: exactly. Well, exactly. you're
1: not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, I've got the Wizard of Oz on here, better take that off. <laughs> all
2: right, remove that. Great, moving right along.
0: <laughs> all right, but uh, to give you a bit of an idea, we will start with Libby. Okay. So, oh God. all right, your first one, Libby. A girl lost in another world. With only her companion. Oh my god. How vague do you want to be? I know,
1: that's really vague. A oh. girl lost in another world.
0: And if you need a, a, another clue, let me know. I'm going to tap in for the clue. I'm going to tap in. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say instead of her companion, it's her pet. I've like gone blank on
1: every single musical I've ever listened to now.
2: I'm the opposite. I've got like three in my head and none of them are right. Oh
0: goes to another world with a pet lost in another world
1: oh my god is that the wizard of oz (laughs) oh my god are you you kidding kidding me i I was like
2: i saw you stiffen a little bit
0: and i was like what's going on i was just joking i didn't think you actually had the wizard of oz yes all right so libby you got that one right it was it was the wizard of oz i'm proud of you skills
2: utter skills
0: all right now (laughs) Gareth, it's your turn. Oh, good. Two boys with a book on a mission.
2: Two boys with a book on a mission? I can think of it, but apparently I can't, because I can't vocalize.
1: I'm glad this one's yours.
0: (laughs) One singular book.
2: You can't see this, but my brain is just (laughs) melting slowly as I try and think of this. I have a literal degree in musical theatre. Uh can I do a Libby and tap in for an extra hint?
0: Um, so I'm gonna say that they're on Okay, Ooh. I've gotta think of this one. Well also, you kind of spoke about the person that the book is about only seconds ago.
2: Be fair, I don't remember what happened seconds ago. You
0: said God almighty.
2: Oh duh. Book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> oh mission. Oh, my right? God. I, th- I oh. literally
0: came up with that last night and I was like, well, they're on a mission. And I was like, oh, my God,
2: they're on a mission. I think I need to be tested for my intellect. <laughs> this is this is making me yeah. doubt everything I've ever done in my life. So anyone that's listened
0: oh to God. us before knows that I just seem to make really hard. Yes. I, ma- I seem to make the games really hard for people. So oh, yeah, you're making apologize. me doubt if I'm
2: compass mentee over here. <laughs>
1: I think it's always the opposite. I always make it really easy, and then I think Tori makes it really hard.
0: <laughs> Look, I tried to include as little detail as possible. Anyway, okay. Okay, okay I'm ready. The next one. So, Libby, mm-hmm. many people on a journey for their biggest dreams.
1: Many people. Oh, okay, I've got two options. I don't know which one. I've got Songs for a New World, and I've also got Into the Woods. I don't know about Songs for a New World, but I'm like... You I'm have to t- pick one. Oh, is it one of them? Oh, no. I'm not
0: going to tell
2: She's doing that eye thing again.
1: I know. I was like, I did Into the Woods last time, so I'll be shocked if it's Into the Woods.
0: Guys, I'm not wearing my glasses. That's why I'm doing the eyes thing. I can't see you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to go... Okay, a group of people. Songs for a New World kind of fits that. And it's different. And I feel like that's something Tori would choose. I feel like that's something that Tori would choose. So I'm gonna go with Songs from New World. <laughs> into the Woods! <laughs> <laughs> we did that last week, Tori! <laughs> no, we didn't. Did we not?
2: No. We, oh,
0: we did Into the Woods was in our first ever lyric challenge.
2: There is division in the podcast camp. <laughs> I shall partake in abusing
0: this. Attention.
2: <laughs> I was literally like
0: Livy. <sighs> Gareth. A band? Lost in a foreign
2: town.
1: That's really descript- descriptive.
2: <laughs> when you think of the show, it is overly descriptive. I mean, The Band's Visit springs to mind, but I haven't seen it, so I feel like that's completely and utterly wrong. I feel like it could be one of the Beatles movie musicals, because that's literally all their plots ever are.
0: It's not a movie no. musical, it's an onstage
2: show. And maybe okay. it is The,
0: band, the Band's Visit.
2: Well, again, I haven't seen it, so I don't want to risk I that.
0: Know,
1: neither have I. I don't... Oh, she's giving you the eyes. She's uh, I'm not giving the you. The, I'm looking at the
0: shoes. She's blind. Discussing. <laughs> I'm blind. I'm literally fucking
2: blind. <laughs> oh God Almighty! Um, a band lost in a foreign town. You know what? I'm gonna have to pass on it. I don't want to take another hint.
0: I'm really upset. It's the band's visit.
2: <gasps> Motherfucker!
0: <laughs> I was knows. like, it literally. Anyone that's ever seen the trailer for the show, listen to the music. It's literally a band accidentally goes to the wrong town and gets lost and spends the night there. Oh, my
2: God. I'm fuming <laughs> at my own lack of knowledge.
0: I'm upset at you because you were like, no, but I've not seen it. doesn't matter if you've not seen it.
2: Well, I can't guess on something's plot if I don't know what the plot is. For all I know, the band's visit could have been about, like, the babysitter's club or something. Could have just been a really deceptive Coming to time. a cinema near you.
0: <laughs> I really didn't know that either, so don't worry. <laughs> all right, okay, we're down to the final... Two. How, what, what are we on? Are
2: we we're, on one, we're on one apiece. One, one, one. one
0: apiece. Oh, oh, my God. I might have Gareth, to come up. If you guys me tie me. again. Bring it. If you guys tie again, I'm going to have to make one up on the spot for you both. Ooh, yeah. okay. okay.
2: Why not just make us fight to the death? It'd be p- more fun to watch.
0: I might do a buzzer style one. Oh. Oh, one of you has to. Okay. All right. Libby. A terrible event that brings many people together.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you would know it. Yes, okay. I think I got it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I knew what it was, but then I was like, what's what's it called again? <laughs> um, come
0: from away?
2: You are correct. Yes. Uh,
0: 2 to 1, 2 to 1. You've got one more.
2: No pressure.
1: You've got
0: this. All right. A boy just out of college with no idea Avenue what to Q. do. It's Avenue Q. <laughs> oh, my God. That was fast.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I got smarts.
0: And you know what this means? It's a tie. I now it's have to do buzzer. a tiebreaker. All right. Okay, all right. so. What's our buzzer? What's, what's <laughs> your... You've each got to have a sound.
2: I, I have a lot of noises, but they're all going to affect the audio quality.
1: <laughs> we'll do a low grumbles. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
0: easy. Say your name. Oh, oh okay Let say me... my
2: name say my name cool so do you come here often yeah, like, cool. like what's the go like tell me your story your hopes your dreams I don't know who this character is but I like him you know he's, he's got
0: chutzpah so this musical is based off a 70 page segment of a very famous Russian book beep Gareth oh I didn't say my name <laughs>
2: not natasha and pierre is it
0: you beeped though you didn't say your name and i was very specific it's your name you know what
1: gareth i didn't say my name i panicked i panicked so you go What's your guess? all right
2: i'm second guessing myself now dr Javago. i hate you so much
0: <laughs> unfortunately that is incorrect yeah um, no. i didn't
2: think so i didn't th- No, you know no you know what i will seed that oh natasha and pierre it
0: is Natasha and Pierre yeah, Great comment of
2: 1812
1: <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations You have won Thank
2: <laughs> you I'm so thrilled
0: I think this is the voice You've got to do The rest of the interview
2: with. In. I refuse <laughs> <laughs> I have much more range.
1: Now, we're going to get back into things, and you have actually got your own cabaret. You did your own cabaret at the Sydney Fringe Festival. So did you come across any challenges in producing, directing, and writing your own show?
2: Honestly, yes. Half the time, the ideas I was coming up with, because it was my own show, I couldn't sound bored off anyone. So I had to frequently find where my best friend Scarlett McGrath was, bring her in and say, Scarlett, does this work? please tell me, please help.
1: I think that's so important as well to make a show and put a show on is is um that soundboarding to create something. It's um a, usually a collaborative process, but it to is, do it, it is. all on your own is really tough.
2: It really was. But besides that, also just finding the right space for it, finding the funding for the show, because it was all out of my own pocket. So I had to sell a certain number of tickets to break even because there were two versions of the show. The first one was at the Laycock Street Theatre in Gosford. That's mm-hmm my old haunt from way back in the day of community theatre and Fat Gareth.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. hold up. You were...
2: I, had, I can't even... I had body mass, dude. So uh, the first version of the show went on in that theatre and nearly sold it out. I made all the money back, was able to pay my accompanist, Chris Hodgkins, and then I decided to put the show on again when the Fringe Festival came up. I had workshopped it, added a couple of new songs, written some new material... And I was lucky enough to find the sound lounge in the Seymour Centre was a Fringe-sponsored venue. Yeah, again, I was funding it out of my own pocket, so I was terrified about losing money. And of course I did, because it's Fringe. That's one of the main things I would say to anyone producing a show. You have to be prepared to lose money on it, especially if you're funding it yourself. Even if you're crowdfunding, there's going to be a loss if it's your very first show. And that is okay Because other great things will come out of that aside from money. Like, for my experience, Odd Man Out's Sydney season got me approached by Monkey Bar. And I got final round for an audition with them, and now I'm in good with them, so...
1: Yeah, everything happens for a reason. And I think even you know, it can be a struggle, like you said, you lose money on things. But I also think as us as performers, we're well aware that pretty much our whole life, we're going to be investing in our careers and into our profile. and Lord, so, yes. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that investment, it pays off in different ways. So even if you don't make money on the show, it'll pay off in a very different way that you don't even expect half the time. Exactly.
2: And now, Like, my experience was, cool, I know how to produce fringe shows now, I know how to do costing, I know how to hire the right people to do my tech, I know how to write a lighting plot and say, this is exactly what I need. And that's invaluable. Yeah, I tend to live by the mantra that kindness is free. And we're in an industry, unfortunately, where there is so little good paying work that we can live on and that that's the dream for all of us we want to be able to make a living on what we love when that doesn't happen for the majority of us we do need to look out for ourselves we can compete in the audition room leave it in there leave the cutthroat nature when you're off doing stuff at village or brent street or wherever it is the audition's being held when you're outside of that space boost each other up don't tear each other down
0: but another thing that i think is really important as a performer is Some people tend to think, and I think everybody goes through that point where you go to uni to study acting or to study music or whatever, and you come out of uni and you're like, great, I'm done studying. Like, get me out there. Let me get those jobs. But you never really stop learning. And like, I've done so many courses, so many international courses, so many Sydney-based courses in different things since where I've gone, oh yeah, you truly do never stop learning. And you have recently gone back to study a... Masters of Fine Art in Voice at NIDA after working professionally too. What made you make that decision and what exactly does a Masters of Voice entail?
2: Well, I was very lucky straight out of AIM about five years ago to book some work with Logic, So I was working relatively consistently after that. So I did a couple of musicals, I did the cabaret, booked Puffs, of course, and that took up a lot of my time over the last couple of years. But after Puffs... Oh, during the show, I was teaching someone to do a Welsh accent and I was like, oh, I don't actually know how to teach this. I can do a Welsh accent pretty well, like my dad's Welsh, so I picked up a lot from him, oh my God, but love. I don't know how to describe what is happening in there. And I also was hoping, in a way, to no longer have my side hustle in retail and focus solely on art and performing. So I wanted a career to get me there. And I had heard about NIDA's voice course. I knew a couple of people who had studied it. I'd had a chat to a few of their alumni. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, cool, this sounds like what I want to do. Because the way the voice course is structured, number one, it is about 40% as a performance degree. So you're still performing and working on your own voice, observing what you are doing. But it is 60% a teaching course. So you're learning how to structure a lesson plan based around vocal health. You are learning vocal pedagogy strategies from uh, people like Barbara Hausman, who's just done a few sessions with us. Katerina Moriatis, the head of the department, was once teaching at Central. We're getting some really in-depth knowledge of what the voice is, how it works, and how to structure a way to teach that for actors in both singing and speech. And that also includes dialects and accents as well.
1: I mean, it's a win-win for you because you get to learn more for yourself as an actor and as, you know, as a performer, but then you also are learning to be able to teach that as well.
2: Exactly. So I've already started that as well. I was picking up small gigs here and there just for friends I coached some Victorian high schoolers how to do voices for the importance of being earnest which was nice and yeah once once this degree is over I'm going to be opening up a small studio just to coach people to get back into the acting world because I was nervous taking on the degree in the first place because oh great that's a year out of my career that I just am not going to be able to act and now no one can act for a year. Well, so,
0: very convenient. How yes. the turntables. How
2: the turntables. So yeah, that, that's been my career. It's very swings and roundabouts. Things just sort of fall into place. So this is yet another example of that.
1: That's so fascinating. I think the voice is such a big um, instrument and it's used in so many different ways, speaking, singing, and there's so much that you can learn and it's a con- you constantly are learning. Exactly.
2: You know? And that's why I went back in the first place, because there's still so much to eke out, both in my personal acting practice and in the sense of what is the voice? How does it tick? And how do I, as Gareth Isaac, teach that? Like, what is my philosophy?
1: Just to wrap things up today, we did want to ask, what was what has been the biggest hill that you've overcome or climbed in on your journey in the theatre industry?
2: I mean, aside from the constant knockback that everyone gets, probably the black dog. Depression. It's been a pretty constant part of my life, and every so often I've thought of just packing it all in, quitting, going to do retail, or doing something entirely else with my life because I've just been so deeply and profoundly sad about everything
1: it can be so hard i think mental illness is a huge thing and we we both tori and i have talked about um doing an episode sometime soon about mental well-being of performers because it's so important and it can affect like how you perceive yourself and um and it is a huge thing to overcome and it's a thing that you continue to overcome
2: as yeah well, and I in think. this industry where we are viewed as commodities and products We are constantly having our worth judged by the way we look and the way we sound, and it can be utterly heartbreaking. Dealing with that has been one of the biggest hills. Like, it's been a hill all my life. But I found that with a good social circle, people to depend on, and a decent amount of therapy, you can actually look after yourself in such a way that you can continue in this career. As I said, kindness is free. We need to look out for one another, because you never know who is going to be as sad as you. That's one of the reasons I wrote Odd Man out in the first place.
0: And I think it, it is so important. It's the thing that so many people, in, in just in life in general, not just in this industry, that it's okay not to be okay. And If anyone knows the um, Broadway actress T. Boyich, who was in Mean Girls, she is someone that constantly is preaching. Like Even if it's just going and speaking to a counsellor or something every couple of weeks, just to have that person where you can be like, I can just say anything and I can just get it all out but a problem shared is a problem halved.
2: exactly so yeah one of the things we learn in the MFA course you can only work with the instrument as it is on the day and that doesn't just apply to the voice and the body it applies to the mind as well whatever baggage you're carrying that's how you're going to have to work it's where you're working from and if you need a way to get that a little lessened then by all means go for it share share your story
0: but to wrap it up today in one of my personal, you know, I think it's our favorite segment of every interview, as our listeners would know, we do a section called Bedtime Stories, which is all about show mishaps, costume malfunctions, just anything that's happened on, offstage that you've just, you know, those key moments that you just hold onto for the rest of your life that you think of at midnight right before you fall asleep and suddenly you're in an anxious sweat. So, uh, Gareth, did you bring a bedtime story for us today?
2: Well, gather around, boys and girls. Every member of the Puffs team would be furious if I did not tell the door story. Oh no, <laughs> I... I think you know what this is. Yep. So, in the, in the original Melbourne production, um, this this is when this happened, in Melbourne, there is a scene of a bathroom, a fancy bathroom, where Cedric is dunking an egg under quote unquote water, which is demonstrated by... Uh, all the other cast members using wooden poles to create a fake bathtub and a bunch of bubble guns. One night, one of the cast members was over-enthusiastic with his bubbling. So there's just bubble liquid all over the stage. In the narrator track, I have to run very, very quickly all the time. So I deliver my line, try to run off stage. All of a sudden, I'm in midair and horizontal. <laughs> I run smack bang into one of the stage left doors, make a hole in it with my knee, because I'm still midair at that point. I land, crush my right hand, then have to run backstage and get ice. Oh, my I hand is black for the rest of the week and all of the cast are pissing <laughs> themselves. <laughs> so the fact that even through the Sydney and Brisbane season, that door was never repaired, there was just a hole in it shaped like my kneecap and then trouble is in the sydney season it happened again <laughs> Oh <no. laughs> in the exact same spot no, because no, the bubble no, gun no, had that leaked that, that night. night
1: you need traction on your on your shoes oh, yeah well the,
2: the speed i was running i'd worn the shoes through by that point so just i was told very very frequently that it was like the falling of a baby giraffe taking <laughs> its first steps <laughs> i can imagine yeah, too. so I <laughs> that night I got called out in the improv scene where he's finished his bit and Dan just says, Yeah, all right, it wasn't as funny as someone eating shit into a door but Oh my god I got called out on the official Puffs US Instagram page. Yeah, I I'm infamous now for These horrible flailing limbs of mine.
1: Oh, there you go. That was an incredible bedtime story. Thank you so much for coming on today. We've had an absolute blast getting to chat with you. You're so
2: welcome. I was stoked when you asked me and I'm thrilled to have done it.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. And honestly, you've been on the list since day one. So, oh, stop it. Stop it. So, thank you so much for saying yes and for coming and hanging out with us. But, yes, no, thank you so, so much for coming and being here and sharing your knowledge and just the important things that I think are things that we should be trying to focus on right now in this, just as I think I say in every recording, really weird time where. It's a
2: weird time.
0: Uh, it's really just weird. like. 2020
2: is a write off, man.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and we hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts and to send us your bedtime stories and stage door Sunday picks. We
1: also would love to hear your feedback on the episode and what you'd like to hear from us in the future. You can let us know on our Instagram at ps.stagedoorpod via our email at ps.stagedoor.podcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or contact us via our website psstagedoorpodcast.com.
0: We love hearing from you and we will see you next time. Bye! <laughs>